Williams didn't have a lot of faith in me. Did you catch the bulletin on Sunday? All right. We discussed that. But uh, anyways, um, I wouldn't have had faith in me either. What did we take, like 16 weeks to get through the book of Jude? Amen. Third John tonight, please. The book of Third John. Just go back a page, if you would, from Jude. Third John. And uh, the Lord just impressed upon me that this is where we needed to go. Amen. Some of you are saying amen because you know it's a real short book. <laughs> amen. All right. Third John. It is a short book. It's only 14 verses. Uh, I wrote it down here. 219 words. Amen. And here's the thing, though. It's easy for us to look at a short book of the Bible. You go in the Old Testament, you look at Obadiah or something like that. Um, in the New Testament, Jude and 3 John, 2 John, look at that. It's easy to think less of these books. They're not as important. They're short letters. But let us not do that. Let's not do that. Okay, this is God's Word just as, just as much as Isaiah is. Big book, 66 chapters, right? Uh, it takes a while to read through it. Third John's just as important because God gave these words to the Apostle John for a reason. And it's a letter. It's a letter. Let's read through it and then uh, we'll go back and, and look at each verse. The Bible says here, Third John says, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly... When the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, Thou shalt do well, because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such, that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth. Prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Demetrius hath good report of all men. And of the truth itself, yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. But I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to you, to thee, our friends, salute thee, greet the friends by name. Lord, we ask you to use your word now and teach us. God, you gave us this book of 3 John, this letter written 
to an individual from John the Apostle, Lord. But Holy Spirit, you used it for your scripture. And I pray now that you would help and teach us what we need to glean from this book tonight. In your precious name, amen. As I said, please do not uh, look less upon a smaller book. It is God's word and we ought to recognize that. John is the last of the surviving apostles at this point. He's, he's an old man. And uh, he is, we, we understand that um, if you know a history of this time period, uh, Usher's dating system puts this, it says in my Bible, after A.D. 90. Maybe you see that as well. Uh, he is an old man. And uh, we know that uh, the other, many, all the other apostles have died, been martyred at this point. And uh, Nero, the, the Roman emperor, is off the scene at this point. He was in power for a while. Of course, he was a great persecution uh, of Christians. And now he's, he's dead and gone. And there's been a battle for power a little bit in Rome. Uh, another man by the name of, and I might be mispronouncing mis, uh, this, Domitian or Domitian, another emperor that's going to pick up that, that uh, mentality of persecutions of Christians. He's either on the scene or about to be. And, uh, and so that's the time period of which, which John is writing this letter. And he writes it to an individual. Who's he writing to? Gaius. He's writing to Gaius here. Notice there's three names mentioned in the letter. There's Gaius. There's in verse 9, Diotrephes. And in verse 12, there's Demetrius. Each three of these men are important. He's writing the letter to Gaius. And again, in, in introduction here, why is he writing the letter to, to Gaius? Why is John the Apostle, an, old, an, an older man, an aged apostle with authority, writing where he could have written to a church? Well, in verse 9, we, we read here, he did write to the church. He did write a letter to the church, but one man stood in the way and either destroyed the letter or kept it from being read in the church. One person stood in the way of God's word going to a church. Um, and I have to understand God already knew that. And he wasn't planning to, to have that letter be a part of the canon of scriptures. God knows all these things. Instead, he used that to allow John to write a letter to a man to become the Word of God. We have to trust the Lord that He knows. Amen? We don't understand all these things and why they happen. We don't understand why there's an eight-year-old boy tonight that is suffering with cancer and has only been given a few months to live. But we do trust that God is on the throne and that He knows best. God's way is best, even when it hurts. Understand that. Even when it hurts. And Abraham didn't understand when he was walking that mountain, but he believed and trusted God and yet, look what God, God did for him there, right? God will provide. We realize that. So as we go through it, the, the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. John here does not introduce himself as John the apostle whom Christ loved, like he does uh, John, the, the one whom Christ loved in, in his gospel. He doesn't say that. He says the word elder. Elder is this word presbyteros, which we talked about before, it is presbyteros is a, a role of a pastor, one of the roles that he would take. Uh, elder does not mean, again, it doesn't mean a step above a deacon. Okay, it, it means 
elder, elderly, a man of age that uh, that is got some authority because of his age, but he's also presbyteros, also means president of the assembly. Okay, and it's one of the roles of a pastor. And John here writing to people that he can have influence on. Now, who is Gaius? The Bible doesn't tell us here who Gaius is. Doesn't say, well, he's the pastor of that local assembly or he's a deacon, but he was one that that John here could trust and gave this word to, gave some warning and some heed to, and and encouraged him as well. Perhaps he was a deacon among them. It doesn't say that. Perhaps he was... Uh, somebody that John left in charge or that was, uh, was the, the under-shepherd of that local assembly for that time. He doesn't tell us that. But we, we do know is that he was a man of truth that preached the truth, that lived the truth. Okay, Look, uh, look again in verse 3. It says, For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. He didn't just stand behind a podium and preach the word, but he lived what he preached. Now, I'm not, again, I'm assuming that he was a man of authority in the church, that, but we don't know all of that. Okay, he could have been, a, he could have been a, just somebody, right? A, a brother Ken Trenary, right? A, a man in the church and helping with this ministry and helping that ministry, just got off a missions trip. But he knows, he, he knows how to preach the Word. He knows how to give the truth. Amen? And so we don't know all these things, but we do know that John trusted him to write this letter to him. Verse 2 said, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Now as I was trying to understand that, okay, how is his soul prospering? Well, he's saved. Amen? He's saved. He's got, uh, he's got the blood of Christ that has redeemed him from his sin. And his soul is forever bound as a child of God and, and awaiting the presence of his Savior. Now that's, that's great prospering, isn't it? And he's saying here, I, I, I long for you, I wish for you, I pray for you that you would prosper in your health and in life, whatever that means, finances, uh, family, whatever, just like your soul's prospering. But he, spiritually, he was doing well. And, Paul, and John here uh, praying and, and wishing that he would do well physically as well. We, we talked about verse 3, uh, where we, I just read it, um, and, and so let me move on here. Verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Is that true? Is that true for you? I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. My here, that word my, is a little bit of an emphasis there. And as I was looking it up, it can also be said as in mine own. Not just my, but mine own. And, and John here, I believe what he's saying is, is that Gaius is actually near and, and, and has, he has a relationship with him because I, what that means is oftentimes is he led him to Christ. You're my child in the Lord. You're my son in the faith, you might say. All right? and, and it is a joy. Okay, many, there are many soul winners in this room, many of you. You've led a soul to Christ. You've led several souls to Christ. But not all of them stay faithful, do they? 
Sometimes you lead somebody to Christ and, and uh, you, you don't know where they end up. You don't know where, what happened to them. Maybe they came to church for a little bit. Maybe they came to church, got baptized, even joined a church, but then they fell off along the way. That happens, doesn't it? But oh, for that fruit that remains. Amen? Praise God for it. Praise God for it. And uh, I, uh, I have not been faithful every day of my life since I've been saved. You know that. I've told you that. But yet, the man that led me to, to Christ, I talk with him every once in a while, and he's very encouraging to me. He says, thank you. Thank you for, thank you for doing it. Thank you for living it. Thank you for being real. Thank you for, for fighting a good fight. Amen? And I, I believe that what I am doing is an encouragement to him because I'm a son in the faith to him. As a youth pastor, uh, years ago, when, when I had the, the wonderful privilege of working with teenagers, uh, there was a, a young man that was already saved in the youth group, but he was worldly, and he was, he was, he was a little rough around the edges, and, and a public school kid, but he had a, he had a good heart to him, and, um, and I worked with him. And it wasn't just me, it was the, the bus worker, the bus captain that he rode in on. You know, it was working with him. The pastor of the church was working with him. And uh, uh, he went off to Bible college. And, you know, sometimes you turn, you know, four years turn into eight years. You know, that kind of thing, right? You just got to help certain people. And it's just that kind of thing. I, it wasn't eight years, but it was longer. Okay? He just needed a little help along the way. He had just uh, encouragement, financial, and, and prayer. All right? Just along the way. And so, uh, you know where he is today? He's in Brazil on the mission field. Bus kid. That brings great joy to my heart because God allowed me to have a part in his life. So that's, that's, that's such a... The Lord reminds me of that often. Hey, I wonder what Nate's doing today. He's preaching a word to somebody. He's doing something down there on the mission field. And, and, and uh, the Lord uses that for me and encouragement for me. I think about others. I, I think about a young man that... Uh, was in the youth group and it was young when I began, became his youth pastor and, and I watched him graduate and uh, I even went on a senior trip with him and all this and, and uh, he is a faithful layman in the church that he grew up in. And you know what? Him and his wife run a bus route and they help teach the junior churches and he's faithful and that brings a lot of joy to my heart. Amen. And there are others as well but there's some that are out in the world. And, and, but the Lord, what, what, what he does is he gives us, I don't know if trophy is the right word, but he gives us people in our lives and fruit that remains that bring great joy, bring great joy to us. And that's what John's talking about here. Let's move on. Verse five, beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers. Okay. When we say brethren, he's talking about brethren in Christ, right? Brothers and sisters in Christ that are there, that he knows, that are part of the church, and to strangers. Okay, this word literally means foreigners. Okay? Um, I was a foreigner in Belize last week. I stuck out. Not as much as Ben Stanley, but I stuck out. Okay? And uh, it was great to be there, right? But I was a stranger to those people. Even to the people that were saved and in that church, I was a stranger. 
But yet there was a kindred spirit and we, we quickly learned that. We quickly learned that. All right, that's what we're talking about. He says, he says beloved, talking to Gaius here, you're faithful when you help brethren and the strangers that you haven't known, but you're getting, you, they come across your path. Verse 6, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church. Okay? He says they, they, they've come to a visit and you have been hospitable to them. You have helped them. You have gave them a place to stay or gave them a meal and you have been, you've shown charity, which is what? It's love, right? You've shown love to them and here they've come before the church and even given witness to that love. You've been faithful in this thing, right? That's what he's saying here. And let's continue the verse. Whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. In other words, you help them. Okay? Who would be somebody that would cross our path here in the church? Uh, Another person in Christ that would come through, pass on our way, and we could help them on their journey? Missionary. Yes? An evangelist, a special speaker. Right? Uh, Someone along those lines. Look at verse 7. Because that, for his name's sake, they went forth. Sounds like somebody God's commissioned for a purpose, doesn't it? For his name's sake. That's a missionary. That's a, that's a preacher of the gospel. Somebody passes right through here. We can be a blessing to them. And uh, that's a good thing. He says, thou shalt do well, verse 6. All right, notice now, verse 7. Because that for his name's sake, they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles, now, oftentimes on deputation, is Brother Williams up in the sound booth? Is he right there? Brother Williams, on deputation, did you go around to like businesses and all that and try to raise money? You didn't do that? You didn't like take a sponsor and like put their name on the side of your car? You didn't do that? Oh, that's not the way it's done? Okay, look, notice here. It says, taking nothing of the Gentiles. That their purpose was is that they, they, were, they were going to churches and saying, we have a burden, we have a need, this is what God has shown us, would you partner with us, and, and we're going on our way. And Gaius was one that took them in, showed hospitality, and helped them along the way. Verse number 8, we therefore, John speaking here, notice, we therefore ought to receive such, that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. Now, if you're not involved in faith promise and you're not, and you're not uh, uh, a part of helping missionaries and all that, I challenge you to read that verse again. Notice what it says. We therefore ought to receive such. When a missionary comes through, we ought to take care of them. That's right. We ought to give them a meal and, and help them and, and, and bless them and, and, and encourage them, right? Every once in a while, one will stop through unannounced that we don't know about or we weren't planning and, and we can still be a blessing, but we're not going to be as much of a blessing as if we had purposed for them to come through. But that's okay. That's all right. We ought to be a blessing. We ought to receive them. That we might be, here it is, fellow helpers to the truth. Okay, that word is a Greek word. Fellow helpers is a Greek word. And I'm going it, to it, pronounce it weird here. It's synergis, synergis, I believe it is. And uh, just trust me on the thing. It's a Greek word. And it's the same word that Paul used for Apollos. 
in 1 Corinthians. When he's speaking to Paulus, remember that, that text? Let me, I have it written down here. It's, it's chapter 3. Remember that text where he says, Apollos planted, or I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. That text there, many of you would remember that. And he says there, we are laborers together. And it's that same word that he's using here for fellow helpers. In other words, we're not in competition. All right, Brother Jeff and I, we're not in competition, are we? No, we're, we're, we got the same goal. We got the same purpose. All right? We're not in competition. Praise God for that. We're fellow helpers. We co-labor together. I, I'm, I am not uh, somebody that you should put up on a pedestal and say, oh, all that. I'm just a man. And I'm supposed to be doing the same thing you're supposed to be doing. Taking the gospel to the world. To every creature. Amen? Especially around here. And then we're supporting others that take it to the world. And we're supposed to be doing this together. And he's talking about that. We do it together. And so let's make sure, church, we do it well. But when we're going to keep doing it well, that we take care of our missionaries and other folks that, uh, that come through here. Sometimes we'll have a special speaker that's not a missionary. Might be an evangelist. But especially our missionaries, we want to take care of them. That's why we have our Wednesday night missionary update. So we know what's going on so we can pray for them. It's hard for me as a pastor to keep track of 101 missionaries. And I can understand you have the same trouble sometimes. That's why we have these updates. That's why we want to pray for them, know what's going on. I know John Harris and his ministry so much better because I went down and checked it out. Now, I can't do that for 101 of them. I mean, I mean, I could if you just like, you know, quadruple the salary and tell me I can be gone every Sunday. That'd be fine. We can go check on them. But that ain't going to work. I'm not going to be able to pastor that way. But I can along the way have conversation, check up on them, pray for them along those lines. Let's continue on, please. Verse 9. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. I already spoke about this now. John wrote a letter to the church, and Diotrephes says, Nope. Who is this guy? He doesn't tell us anything about him, just says this man, he's calling him out. Okay, can you imagine? I was down in Belize, and I wrote a letter. Back to the church. Brother Martini said, nope. (laughs) So then, I called up Brother Marion. Or I didn't call him up, but I wrote him a letter. And I said, Brother Marion, yeah, go ahead and read this in church. (laughs) Watch out for that Martini right there. I mean, that guy likes to have the preeminence, man. In his prayer bulletin every Wednesday night, he's just going, doing it up. All right, but that's what's going on here. He's calling out this guy. And he loves to have the preeminence. That word preeminence, we know from Colossians 1, that Christ ought to have the preeminence. But this man having it, preeminence means superior or a love to be first. So here's a guy that is looking for a position and looking for power and making it happen any way he can. That's not of God. That is not of God, and it shouldn't ever be a competition through the church. Do you know why I'm your pastor? Not because I had ambition and sought my, sought, made it happen. It's because God 
told me to come here. And he told you to ask me to come. That's why I'm your pastor. God made it to be. Okay? I didn't call up Brother Shank and say, Brother Shank, I think I need to be your pastor, buddy. Here's the reasons why. Boom, 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 boom. Right? Let me talk it up a minute. Let me put a video on of my wife telling you how, how great I am. I didn't do that. It's funny. It really is. But there are people in this world that are seeking positions in God's house. But let's be cautious on that thing. Okay, I've met people, you have met people that are looking for a position. They're not looking to be a servant as Christ taught us to be. They're looking for a position. I have met people that just wanted to be a deacon so bad. I'm sorry, you can't. You don't meet the requirements that God laid down in His Word. And technically, you don't have the spirit that we ought to have in a deacon. You understand where I'm going with that? A servant's heart. Okay? Our pastoral staff have servant hearts. Praise God for it. Man, they're willing to serve. They're willing to do the work of the ministry. And it doesn't matter what it is. Whether it's mowing the grass or scrubbing a toilet or preaching the word. Just jump in and do it. Because that's what Christ taught us. Um, would you, would you keep your finger here and flip back to uh, Matthew 23, please? Matthew 23. Here's a guy in the church, Diotrephes, and he's stuck on this position and he loves to have his power here, but he forgot what Christ taught. Matthew chapter 23. And when you get there, look at verse 8. I'll probably read a few of these, but I want, to, I want you to see verse 8. Matthew 23, 8, the Bible says, But be not ye called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and look what it says, and all ye are brethren. You know what Jesus told his apostles? He said, uh, I don't care if your name's Peter, or I don't care if your name's John, I don't care if your name's uh, this guy or that guy. He said, you're brethren. You're not, you're not masters, you're not rabbis, you're brethren. You're doing it together. You're doing it together. Now, I say this a lot, and I mean it. I am nobody special. Please understand that. I have the wonderful privilege to be called your pastor. But I am nobody special. You know, I'm your pastor because that's the role that God has asked me to fill in this church. We forget that in our American ambition. But what if God would have asked Brother Williams to be pastor and I to be his assistant? Would that be okay? Yes, it would have been if that's what God wanted. You with me? Don't get any ideas. He's hiding up there somewhere. Yeah, don't get any ideas. He's smiling now. But listen, listen. It's hard for us sometimes in our egos and our pride to acknowledge that. I had to remember that as an assistant. God had to remind me to bite my tongue and know my place. Because he had, he had given me a pastor's heart. And sometimes my pride let some things come out. Because I thought I knew some things. And then God would say, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> right? And I gave suggestions and my preacher would listen to it and all that. But every once in a while I'd go back to him and say, forgive me. I'm overstepping my bounds a little bit. Amen? 
But remember, it don't matter what position we're in. We're in this thing to serve Christ. Amen? Amen? Amen. So what if you're the bus captain or a bus helper? Let's do this thing together. Let's serve Christ. So what if you're the assistant versus the teacher? Let's do it together. Amen? Amen. Let's, get, let's put ourselves in a, a pride check for a moment. Because <laughs> we're so focused on a title and a position often. So, so often. Look at this, this chapter here. Uh, he's talking to the Pharisees and he's talking about how they like to sit in Moses' seat in verse 2. And how they observe these things and they tell you to look at, uh, look at verse 3. All, all therefore whatsoever they bid you observe that observe and do, but do not ye after their works. For they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and, and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. What Christ is saying here, he's saying they don't know how to serve. They're in a position because they, they made it be that way, but they don't know how to serve. Look what he says here. Verse 5, but all their works they do for to be seen of men and make broad their phylacteries. That's a, like a, a, a scripture that's rolled up in a scroll that they would actually hang from their garments. And enlarge the borders of their garments. And love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of men rabbi, rabbi. But be not ye called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. You think it's so clear and so, so obvious, yet so many people get confused with that, don't they? So many people. I've had people call me Father John. I'm not your father. Call me that. Amen. I'm not your papa, your pappy, or whatever else you call Brother Williams. Amen. Amen. Verse 10. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. In this passage of Scripture, right in the side, I, I have a wide margin Bible currently because I like to make notes. And uh, I was just reviewing that Scripture today as God was putting it in my heart. And previously, I had written a note here to remind myself of, of who I am. And I was going to read it to you. I'm just going to be transparent. I wrote here, I'm not special. I'm not a master or anyone to be worshipped. As a pastor, I point others to Christ, and, I, and I'm, a, I'm just a co-laborer with the rest. And then next to verse 11, I wrote, pastor equals servant. Because i got to remind, i got to be reminded, and the Holy Spirit needs to remind me as I'm reading that passage. That's what he gave me one day. And, and the first shall be last, and last shall be first idea here. I'm supposed to be, what did he say in verse 11? But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. What that means is I'm supposed to be the biggest servant in this church. That, that's difficult for me to say in front of everybody because I've got to be held to that standard. But that's what the Bible says. That I'm supposed to be the biggest servant. Now is that Bible? That's Bible. We do it together. Co-labor. Amen? Amen. 
Amen. Let's remember that. Let's remember that. There, sometimes there can be a diatrophies that tries to, well, this is the way it ought to be. I've been in church meetings. I'm telling you, I've been in church meetings that were not orderly because somebody wants to be heard and wants to talk about something, and, and it's just ridiculous. Sit down and be quiet. That thing can be handled behind closed doors with the pastor, and you don't need to make a, a spectacle of yourselves trying to show everybody what you know. Amen? It's pride's what it is. Why, why are you making a spectacle of this thing? This is not helping the church. This is not unity here. Amen? Amen. There's tough things in Scripture sometimes. We've got to hear these things because we're all prideful. That's the root problem here with this man. And we didn't get very far, and i got to be done. But I, I thought for sure I was going to get through this book tonight. Man. Mrs. Williams, now you know. You didn't have faith in look at that. Well, I, I mean, excuse me, excuse me. I didn't have faith. Amen. I thought I did. We didn't get through it. That's all right. We'll get through it. We'll talk about diatrophies a little bit more next week. And uh, uh, interesting, some things that, he, that he's done here that John's calling out about him. And, uh, and so we'll look at that. Church family, thank you so much for your service. Thank you for your good spirit. It is a joy to be in this place. It is. It's a joy to come to, into the office every day. Why? Because I know who I get to work around, and I know what I get, who I get to work for, and I know what I get to do all day long. And it's a joy to study the Word and teach it. Because it's real and it's true and the Holy Spirit makes it known to me that it is. And this place is not like any other place. Because God's doing something great here. And it's exciting. You should have seen the group we had out soul winning last night. Woo! It was exciting. Why? Because it was more than normal. And praise God for it. There wasn't this many. But there was a lot. And I was excited about it. Praise God for it. There's something going on here. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit of God's here. Let's keep at it. Let's do it together. Amen? Amen? In Sunday school meeting, just a moment ago, we were talking about owning your ministry. Own it and, 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 and shepherd those, those souls that, you, that God has given you in that class. Man, for each of you, you own your ministry and, and do it together in unity as we move together as a church. You're doing it in your particular ministry. And pray over those souls that God has put under you and, and teach them and get prepared and get ready in the Word of God to be used of the Lord. Asking Him to fill you and to use you and to get rid of pride and selfish ambition. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for what you brought out in the Scripture tonight. Lord, I trust you that this, this is what...